there is something in your life that needs to change, and if you do, it has the potential to change the lives around you forever. I'm not leaving you in suspense what that thing is, because I have a confession to make. I am obsessed with my hair. If you've known me for a few minutes, you know that I like to have my hair a certain way, a particular way, and if a couple strands are out of place, then that bothers me. In fact, I'll be honest with you, before I came up to the stage, I went to the bathroom and made sure that it looked nice, because you're all going to be looking at it. And why I bring this up is not just to confess my vanity to you, it's because it gives me the opportunity, because I like my hair a certain way, to have a lot of haircuts. I have been blessed and or cursed, depending upon your opinion, with hair that grows very, very fast. And so in order to maintain this cut, I could honestly get it cut every other week. Now I don't, because that's way too much money. I try to push in a month, but I get a lot of haircuts. And I normally go always to the same place, but a couple weeks back, I, I was in the area of somewhere else, and I tried another location of the place that I go to. And not to throw them under the bus, but they didn't go, do as good a job as my previous place. But when you're getting a haircut or when you're at a salon or whatever it is, right, there's that dreaded small talk. And I don't know if you're anything like me, like I'd rather just sit there and like we can talk at the beginning and then I just kind of want to relax, have some chill time. But the person who was cutting my hair, she was a talker. I know right from the moment that I started to step back, she was going. She was, she was on it. She was telling me all about her day, everything that was happening. And I was like, okay, great. Now this is going to be fun. So I, I talk back. I, I, I'm engaging with her. And then the dreaded question comes. Hey, so what do you do for a living? And I say dreaded because I've experienced this before. As a pastor, that conversation can either end with that answer. It can move in a completely different direction or it opens a whole can of worms that I don't know if I'm ready for when I'm getting my hair cut. And so I paused, I'll be honest, I'll pause, and I'm like, I'm a pastor. And she goes, oh, that's interesting. And I'm like, oh my gosh, where is this going? Where is this headed? And she says, hey, I haven't stepped foot in a church in a long time. And it's interesting to say that here that you are a pastor because the pastors that I know look nothing like you. And they certainly don't have a haircut like you do. And I said, well, you know, I, I, I like it. I Hopefully you do. And she, oh, it looks great on you. It wasn't that. But it's that you're different from the most pastors that I know. And that started a conversation that continued all throughout the rest of the haircut of her telling me her story with the church, the hurt that she's experienced, the pain why she doesn't attend a church anymore. And as I was walking out that door, I got the opportunity to invite her to our church for Easter. And that's not to brag, that's not to make me look like this great person, because I didn't even want to have the conversation in the first place. I could have easily just said, hey, you know, I, I uh, speak for a living. <laughs> no. And just by me having the boldness, and it's not bold at all, to say what I do for a living, it opened up an opportunity for me to hear this woman's story, share my faith with her, and invite her to Easter. And I don't, I don't know whether she's going to be joining us this Easter. I've been praying for her, praying that God would draw her to this place, that she would see that even if the church has messed up, that God never does. That even when we fail as Christians, God never does. And I've been praying for her. 
But I bring all that up is because the thing that we might need to change is our relationship to, cha- to sharing our faith. Even when I say those words, if you're a follower of Jesus, you start to squirm in your seat, right? You start to think of the people maybe you should share your faith with, the people that you wanna share your faith with, but then the excuses come, right? You just wanna have a regular haircut instead of a whole conversation about a person's life. You don't wanna upset the status quo, you're worried about what your coworkers might think. But this morning, if you hear one thing, you can forget about me and my hair, but if you hear this, remember this. It's time to break through what is holding you back. It's time to break through what is holding you back. Because if we make these changes, these necessary changes, the things that are holding us back, then I truly believe that it has the potential to change the people's lives around us, not just for today, not just for tomorrow, but for eternity, for the future. And that's what this series has been all about. We talked about, I started with our first message talking about why we need to invest in the next generation, that their faith right now can be multiplied for generations upon generations, that a small pomegranate seed planted now can plant an orchard of faithfulness, leaving a legacy of faith. And over the past two weeks, Pastor Matt has talked about why we give, why we give to the church, why we use our finances for God's plans and not our own. Why you should be a part of this generosity challenge, why God encourages us to give, to let go of our finances that we hold on to so tightly. Not only because it changes us, but it changes the people around us, the communities around us, lives around us are being transformed and changed by your giving each and every week. That God is calling us to make an investment in the future. And this morning, we're going to talk about what if we started making an investment in the lives and faith of the people around us. Today, we're going to jump into the book of Luke, and in Luke chapter 5, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, it's also available on the YouVersion Bible app. If you click the menu, click the events tab, you can find all the notes on there. And this is early in Jesus' ministry, one of his first healings that the, the book of Luke records. He's called his disciples And that's where we pick up the story. If you're following along, we're starting in Luke chapter 5, verse 17. It starts off like this. One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. All right, pause for a second. So Luke, Luke is setting the scene. He's, he's saying that Jesus was teaching. He's in this house and people have come from all over the region. This isn't just that they were in the same town as Jesus and they were like, hey, this guy seems cool to listen to. No, they had traveled. They had taken time out of their days and lives to go check out what Jesus was saying. And it's not just that they were interested. They were concerned. You see, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, these religious scholars were the religious elite of the day, the religious authority. They had power because they took the Bible and they said, this is how you are to live it out. They took the laws of the Old Testament and they added more specific laws. They said, if you really want to follow the laws, then you got to follow these laws. 
that tell you how to follow the law. And they had power and authority. Their reputation was high. And when they hear about this Jesus guy coming around and saying that there's a different way, they had to go check him out. They were worried. They were concerned that their power and authority was coming into question. And so, yeah, they're going to travel. They're going to see what this guy Jesus is teaching to make sure he isn't undermining their position. And so this house is jam-packed with the religious elite that I imagine are sitting up against the back walls with their arms folded being like, let's see what this guy has to say. And then in the next verse, there's such an interesting comparison that Luke makes. Look at verse 18 with me. It says, some man came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the home to lay before Jesus. It's interesting, Luke gives all this detail to the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, that they've come from all these different places to check out Jesus. And then when he refers to these other guys, it's just like some dudes. Some guys going about their everyday life, they just had maybe heard about what Jesus was doing, the miracles that he was starting to perform. And they say, hey, I wonder if they can help our friend. I think it's so interesting that these verses are right next to each other. A little bit of clue when you're reading the Bible that the biblical authors had many different ways to record the factual stories that they were recording, right? And so they had a unique angle when they were recording them. This comparison between the religious elite coming from all over the region to check out Jesus and just some ordinary guys helping their friend. I think it brings us to the first change that we may need to make in our lives to break through what's holding us back. And it's a move from reputation to relationships. Because if we're honest, so many of us care more about our hair than we'd like to admit. Care more about what other people think about us instead of the people themselves. Care more about looking righteous and having authority and being honored by other people instead of caring for those that God has called us to. We want to look righteous. We want to look like the upstanding Christian, the good person. Or maybe on the other angle, you're just like, man, I want to be the person that is successful, the person who has advanced in their career, a person who is at the top of the corporate ladder. We spend so so much of our lives trying to get to what's next. The next job, the next promotion, the next honor, the next accolade. We're exactly like the Pharisees, if we'd really like to admit it. When somebody questions our authority, when somebody says, hey, are you sure you want to do it that way? When somebody criticizes us, we're so quick to defend and yet are we so quick to defend other people? You see, the comparison that's being made between the Pharisees and these regular ordinary guys is that these guys could have been doing anything else, but they chose that day to try and get their paralyzed friend to Jesus. While these men were just regular ordinary guys, they say, hey, Jesus is something special, something extraordinary, and we care about our friend so much, we're gonna do whatever it takes to get him to him. The Pharisees were standing there making sure that their authority and power was still maintained. All these guys were painstakingly carrying their friend on a mat 
to get them to Jesus. That's what it looks like to break through what's holding us back. To not focus on our reputation, to be bold enough to step out of our comfort zone and say, no matter what happens, no matter what people think of me, I am going to share Jesus. I am going to get my friends to Jesus. This is not to shame any one of us. If you came in this room and you're saying, hey, I'm new to faith or I have this going on in my life, this is just to encourage all of us that the message of hope that we have is too important not to share. But we can't go about that in ways that are harmful instead of helpful. The common phrase goes that people don't, won't care what you know until they know how much you care, right? We know this to be true. We take advice from our friends way more than we take some random person in our lives speaking their truth on us, right? The same is true with our faith. If we're going to be people who break through what's holding us back, then we have to be people that are living lives of rich, deep relationships with people who don't know Jesus. That might look like setting aside our strongly held beliefs to care for somebody who doesn't hold those beliefs. And now it doesn't mean not holding to the things we know to be true, the things that the Bible says is true, the things we know about God any less. But it may look different in those relationships. It means prioritizing people over our positions. You see, the problem with the Pharisees is not necessarily that they were righteous, that they were trying to follow after God, is that they were doing it in a way that was inauthentic. Look at the words of Jesus in Matthew 23. He's going through all of his critiques of the Pharisees, and he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You see, their strive for righteousness wasn't wrong. Their strive for power and authority and reputation to say, hey, we're going to show you how to follow Jesus is not a bad thing. Yet if we're going to set ourselves up and as an example, we want to make sure it's not just the surface level. That when push comes to slove, when life gets difficult, when people see us as we do in relationships, as we really are, that it's not just for show. It's who we are. So don't choose reputation over relationships. Choose deep, passionate relationships with the people in your lives. Choose to break through what's holding you back. Many of us know what is the most popular fast food restaurant in the world, right? Shout it out. What is it? McDonald's. Great, great job. But who knows the second No, it's not Chick-fil-A, it's not Subway. In-N-Out, no. No, there it is. KFC. Surprise, right? KFC is the second largest fast food chain in the world. It has over 22,000 restaurants and is in more countries than any other restaurant minus McDonald's. In fact, in Asia, KFC is part of their holiday meals. That instead of celebrating with anything else, they go out to KFC and they enjoy a bucket of chicken. And I bring this up not because it's a fun fact, although it is, you can test your friends after the service, but because of the story of Colonel Sanders. Many of you know Colonel Sanders, the, the white goatee, the glasses, 
the nice white suit. But you see, Colonel Sanders didn't even get into cooking until he was in his late 40s. He was a railroad operator. He delivered babies for a while. He was a, a lawyer. He studied law. And then he's like, hey, I'm going to open a restaurant. And it wasn't until his mid-50s when he actually started cooking chicken. He was 74 years old when he franchised KFC. Excuse me. He was 63 when he franchised, and he was 74 when he sold the business for over $2 million. And I bring all that up because we know KFC is a brand. We see it. It's, it's everywhere we go, just about. And yet it's interesting that its founder, the man behind the chicken, the 11 herbs and spices, didn't even discover that until the second half of his life. His life up until then was hard, was difficult. Even as he was going around and franchising his first restaurants, he was living out of his car on his social security check. And yet he knew that he had something special. He knew that he was going to do whatever it takes to get his delicious chicken in every mouth across America. That used to be his catchphrase. And he did it. He did it. I didn't brought all that up, not just so that you crave chicken, but that it shows that often what we want in life isn't what we're really striving for. The plans that he had put into place in the first part of his life weren't what his life calling was. He lived a difficult, hard, challenging life. And yet if we were to look at the success of his life, to have his, the results of his business lead to the second highest fast food chain in the world, you would say that his life is exceptional. And yet we have this misconception that we want easy instead. Look at, look at what happens to the friends that they're bringing their paralyzed friend to Jesus. Verse 19, they're trying to take him before Jesus. The house is too busy. When they couldn't find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up to the roof and they lowered him on the mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Okay, if you're in your head right now saying, what in the world is happening? You're not listening. Because they are breaking down this poor home, wherever Jesus is. They are destroying property to get their friend to Jesus. And, and, and I want you to have this in your mind. So I, I got a picture. So we'll look at a first century roof. That's what it looked like. So it would have been logs of timber with hay and like mud and pitch over it. And so what these friends do, there would have been a, a staircase going up to the roof where they would have um, prepped food and, and done various things. And so they climb up there carrying their friend on this mat on all four corners and they set him down and they start breaking into this roof. They're probably kicking it. I don't know how Jesus was still teaching. It would have been loud. There would have been dust particles and hay following on him. And they open a big enough hole to get a person down there. Now, this, is, this person is totally paralyzed. He's laying on a mat, laying down. So this would have been a big hole. This is not like just enough to like slide somebody in. No, this is they're, drag, they're dropping him down on ropes with a huge mat. And he ends up right in front of Jesus. I don't know about you, but if I would have been to the house, we maybe had a long day, a long trip to get there. They see that the house is busy. They would have been like, I would have been like, well, he's got to be done teaching eventually. We'll just wait right outside. 
Or maybe you would be like, well, we did the best we could. We tried. Maybe we'll try again later. Maybe we'll talk to Jesus' receptionist, try to schedule an appointment or something. But no, these friends are going to do whatever it takes to get their friend to Jesus. Now, I'm not recommending you go out and break down somebody's roof. But what I am saying is that we need to approach the, with the same intensity in the lives of the people that we care about. You see, what happens when we start caring about people, when we live in relationship with other people, is we realize that their problems are now our problems. If we truly care about something, someone, it's not just like, hey, I hope for the best. No, you're in it together. And these friends had that same relationship for this man. They're saying, we're going to do whatever it takes because you are going to get to Jesus today. Man, I don't have the same intensity and love for the people in my life, right? To break down roofs, to do whatever it takes to get my friends to Jesus. Because there are barriers that stand in our way sometimes of getting our friends to Jesus. Maybe it's past hurt, like the woman who cut my hair. Maybe it's questions, maybe it's doubts, maybe it's politics, maybe it's your nervousness. Maybe it's their nervousness. Whatever it is, maybe it's anxiety, depression, pain, hurt. Maybe they're dealing with the situation that you have nothing, no idea of. Whatever it is, there are going to be some things that we need to help people break down in the power of the Holy Spirit to get them to Jesus. So our second change is this. It's to move from easy to exceptional. It would have been easy for those friends to be like, well, we couldn't get to Jesus today. We tried and give up. But they chose something different. So many of us are striving after an easy life. That if we have enough finances in our bank account, we'll be comfortable. If we get the house, if we have the American dream with the white picket fence, the dog, 1.94 children on average, that everything will be good. We make sure we have enough retirement savings, that that's what we're striving for. I love the quote, ship in a harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. Friends, you are not built for an easy life. God is calling you to something exceptional, not because we're anything great, but because God can do something great through each and every one of us in the lives of the people that we care about. And I want to give you an example of what that looks like. If you want to watch this video. Hello, Rise Church. My name is Jimmy Smith, and I serve with the Global Outreach Team here at the church. Uh, my wife and kids and I have been attending here since 2008, and uh, we love this church, and we uh, always love the opportunity to invite people to our church as well. Um, hola, mi nombre es Oscar. Estoy asistiendo a la iglesia aproximadamente hace cuatro meses con mi familia. Late last year, uh, my daughter daughters were playing volleyball at their high school in Green Valley Ranch. And uh, we noticed uh, another young lady on the team, Mariana, and would notice that her parents would come, or that we thought were her parents and would come to all the games. We started to get to know them a little bit, found out each other's names. And uh, then one day I, I really wanted to, to talk to Oscar and uh, to try to invite him to church. And I wasn't quite sure how to 
get to that part of the conversation without being weird. So I thought, I'll ask him what he does for his job, and then hopefully he'll ask me what I do for my job. And then that will get us to, you know, kind of talking about church life. And then I was like, hey, are you going to church anywhere? Uh, is that something you'd be interested in? Realmente nosotros, mi, mi familia, siempre hemos creído en Dios, pero nos habíamos alejado un poco de la iglesia porque no sentíamos de la iglesia o las experiencias que hemos tenido en la iglesia, sentíamos que en vez de acercarnos a Dios nos estaban alejando. Initially, I was trying to invite Oscar to the Spanish church that meets in our building here. But eventually Oscar's like, I want to come to your church. I want to come to Arrive. And so they started coming uh, the first week and brought the whole family, brought Darley and Mariana. And it was so great to, to have them here. He shows up at the service and like he's doing right now, he's got his phone out and their family would sit in the service with their phones out, listening to everything that was going on and just scrolling and reading the entire service. And after the service, I'm like, hey, did you guys, you know, did you understand everything? And he's like, yeah, 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 we understood. He's like, it's good. <laughs> yes. Cada sermón, cada palabra que Matt decía, eh, nos hacía entender muchas cosas y nos daba mucha tranquilidad. Era como que llegábamos aquí con toda la carga de la semana, con todas nuestras preocupaciones, pero justo cuando salíamos, salíamos totalmente renovados y, y eso era lo que nos hacía querer estar acá. We started... Uh hanging out together, we started, we, we did Thanksgiving together, yes. uh, we did the Colombian Christmas candle uh, festival together at your house, really tried to find ways to serve their family uh, personally and also through the people in our church. They needed some help uh, legally with some of their documents and things like that and asylum requests. Again, all this stemmed from just stepping out of your comfort zone a little bit and meeting someone new, inviting them to church. Uh, and then from that point, it was really, you know, God said, you know, we want you to serve this family too uh, and, and find out how to help meet their needs and help them in this really difficult uh, stage of their life. And so it's been great that Arise has been a part of that. Para nosotros fue algo que nos, nos tocó y nos cambió. Entramos a este lugar con muchas frustraciones y muchas preguntas, pero salimos totalmente livianos. No, no sentíamos peso y sentíamos mucha tranquilidad. That's powerful, right? When I was editing it, it, there's so much more, and hopefully we'll get a couple more videos to continue to share all the amazing things that has happened in the life of Oscar and his family. It brought me to tears. You see, Jimmy could have easily just maintained that relationship, talked about volleyball, and then he said, hey, I wonder if they're going to church. I wonder if they need a place to call home, if they've experienced all this life changes, if they're living in another country, if they're worrying about asylum requests and stuff that I can't even imagine. Jimmy took the step to be exceptional. And then this amazing community surrounded them with other Spanish speakers. We've grown in our Colombian population, which has been amazing to see. And it's because of all of you that lives are being transformed here at Arise. It's what it's all about. And so are we going to choose the easy life or are we going to choose the exceptional life and break through what's holding us back? Okay, back to the man, right? He's right in front of Jesus and Jesus stops teaching, right? Because this man has just been dropped through the roof right at his feet. Pick it up at verse 20. 
When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Every word in the Bible is important. Truly is. And there's a word in this verse that is basically the crux of this whole message. And it's a third third plural pronoun, there. Now, I wanted to make sure that it was the case So I nerded out for a little bit, looked in the original language, finally used some of my seminary education. No, I use a lot of it, don't worry. But it actually is a third person plural possessive, right? That it's not just the faith of the man laying there looking up in Jesus, believing that he can be healed, but it's their faith. It's the men who are still up above them in the ceiling, holding onto the ropes. Maybe they've come down at this point, whatever it is, or they're looking down at Jesus. And I imagine that he didn't look, just look down. He said, friend, their faith. And friend, your sins are forgiven. You see, it could have been a regular, ordinary day for that man. He could have done what he always had do, struggled to just live because of his high level of being paralyzed. But his friends say, you know what? We're going to see Jesus. And they carried him all that way. They bust open a roof. They lay him at the, fate of, at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus looks up at him and says, I see your faith. And you know what? Something amazing is going to happen because of that. Jesus not only heals the man, eventually he forgives his sins. This man is brought to salvation and reconciliation with God because of the faith of the man that brought him there. Look what also happens. Look at verse 24. It says, so he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and he went home praising God. You see, this man's life was radically changed, transformed because of the faith of his friends. But even more than that, look at how it continues on. Look at verse 26. Everyone around was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. All just because of the faith of a couple friends that we're going to do whatever it takes to get their friend to Jesus. The last change that we need to make in our lives is to move from a me-focused mindset to one of multiplication. It's so easy for us in our lives, it's so easy for me to get wrapped up with my problems, my issues, my life, my sick kids at home, my issues with work or whatever it is, right? It's so easy for every single one of us to just focus inward and to say, hey, I got a lot of stuff going on. It'd be great to help you out, but I got my own stuff. I'm trying for this next thing, or I'm working on this and and trying harder and harder and harder. But at the end of the day, that's all about us. You know what I want us to be said of? That Jesus can look at us one day when we get to heaven, and he points to someone and he says, You know why they're here? Because of your faith. You know why that person has been reconciled and transformed and healed and their sins have been forgiven? Because of what you have done. Because of the choices that you have made, the changes that you've made in your life to not focus on your reputation but to live in deep relationship with people who need Jesus. To not just focus on yourself but to choose multiplication. 
to not choose the easy life, but just strive for something exceptional through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, next week is Easter. And this room, God willing, will be filled with a lot of people who are far from Jesus. A lot of people who maybe never expected that they would be sitting in these seats or jumping on the stream. And I pray that the same thing can be said that those people say that day. That they're filled with amazement and awe at what God has done. And they say that we've seen remarkable things today. I want us to be sitting around Sunday afternoon, tired, exhausted, and be able to say that we saw some amazing and remarkable things at Arise on Easter. But that's only gonna happen is if we are bold is if we don't focus on ourselves and we say, you know what, their future is too important for me to just stay stuck in the present. Their future is too important. Their eternal destiny is at stake, friends. I'm so excited about what's gonna happen here in a week. Hope you are too. We got a lot of work to do this week though. Because this room, this place, the stream is only gonna be filled with people who need Jesus as if we make the ask. If we step out of our comfort zone, we push into relationship, we give up easy for exceptional. Sitting on your seat right now is this card. And if you need one for you to remember the times, they're on the website, there's extra ones on the back, but the one on your seat is for your one the person that God has placed on your heart who said, you know what, I care about them so much, I wanna see them in heaven. I care about them so much, I'm gonna step out of my comfort zone, even if it's scary, even if it's frightening, because I want my faith to make a difference. I want amazing things to happen through me because of Jesus. So here in a minute, we're gonna have an opportunity to pray over the people that God is placing on our hearts right now. So whether you wanna do that by yourself, whether you wanna gather around with some people around you, whatever that looks like, I wanna give you an opportunity to pray over them, to pray for boldness, because we wanna see some remarkable things this Easter. Not because this church is anything special, but because it can be used as an instrument of God's grace and love to transform lives. But if you're sitting in this room right now and you, you're hearing about all that God has done, that God has the power to transform lives, to forgive sins, to make paralyzed people walk, and you're saying, hey, I got some problems in my own life. I got some stuff that I'm dealing with. I, I'd love to go out and, and invite people to church, but man, I need God to show up first. And if that's you, or if you need a reminder of that, listen up. Because it's not just Jesus healing people's lives and forgiving sins. He showed us how to do this. Jesus could have easily, with all the authority and power in the world, sitting at the right hand of God, stayed up in heaven and been worshiped and glorified for eternity. And he said, you know what? I'm gonna set that aside because I care for you so much. I'm gonna choose Rep, a relationship over reputation. 
You see, Jesus could have had the easy life. He could have been worshiped and glorified during his time here on earth as he rightfully deserved. And yet he gave it up for something exceptional, something surprising, to give up his life for you and for me, even though he didn't deserve it, because he chose to love us even when we were forgetting him and disobeying God and choosing anything else. And on the third day, as we'll celebrate here one week from today, God raised him from the dead, transforming everything and making a way for us to live in right relationship with God, have our sins forgiven and be set on a mission and purpose beyond our wildest expectation that nothing hold us back from the mission that God has for us. And so if you're ready for maybe for the first time to say, God, I'm ready to be used by you. God, I'm ready to be transformed by your love and forgiveness. I want you to pray with me as we all pray this together. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the work that you're doing in this place, for the lives that you're putting on our hearts right now. God, if there's somebody in this room who's ready to accept that free gift of salvation, that they would say these words for the first time as we say them all together. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Forgive me. In faith, I declare, Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you and help me to help others do the same. So if you prayed that prayer for the first time, your life has been transformed. God has grabbed a hold of your life and you've been invited to a new mission and a new purpose, a new identity that you can go out and say, hey, my life has been transformed and I want God to transform you. And so if you prayed that prayer for the first time, we wanna celebrate with you. We wanna encourage you and support you. So if you would be bold enough to raise your hand on the count of three as we celebrate with you. One, two, three. God, we thank you for the work that you're doing in this place, for the lives that are being transformed today, and for the mission that you're calling us on. And now, I want to encourage you to pray over the person that you're inviting to Easter. To pray that God would transform their lives, that God would show up in amazing ways because of your faith. Let's pray together. God, it's not by accident the people that you've put on our hearts and our minds. 
I pray over all the people that are represented by the people in this room, that all the people that are represented by those online, God, that you would show up and do something amazing and remarkable in their lives. God, for those of us that still need to make the ask, that still need to make the invitation, that we would be bold, that we would seek the one as you have sought us. God, we're praying for remarkable things this Easter. We're praying for lives being transformed, people finding hope, identity, and purpose, that dead things are brought back to life. We pray this in the powerful, unmatched name of Jesus. Amen and amen.